two brothers talk about food and movies. That is Anthony Arkin right there next to me. It's Matthew Arkin over there. It's my brother. We're brothers. Right over there. And uh, we decided to do this silly thing because it's basically all we do when we're together is talk about food and movies. Now, there's nothing else to do really right now. <laughs> right now there is nothing else to do except packing. Packing. Well, that's you have some news, right? Some stuff is uh, kind of happening in your life right now. I am packing up my uh, apartment, putting everything into storage, and I'm driving cross country to be on the same coast as you. That because uh, yeah, cheers. Um, cheers to that. Because I don't have a lovely wife in the background doing dishes right now. I live alone, and I'm losing my mind. And our mom lives alone. So uh, she definitely needs the company and um, you guys both have been through enough of this by yourselves. So yeah, that's really so, great. Uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, it's terrible, of course, because now she's stuck up in Westchester with no power. And if you were no there power. now, she'd have company. But yeah, you didn't you yeah. didn't do it. You didn't go early enough. For that. I spoke to her twice today and she was huddled in the dark with her phone. One thing after to... another. That's yeah. it's just been crazy. I... I was trying to figure out if next week's next week is the locusts or the plague of frogs. Uh, it's one or the other is next. Something's week. been scheduled from yeah. from the list, I know. But on my trip, I'm excited because the first night I'm I'm driving from Los Angeles, and my first stop is going to be in Winslow, Arizona, where I'll be standing on a corner. You know, you, there's probably some sights to see, I would imagine, while you're doing. Yeah, and then. The next night, I'm staying in Dodge City, Kansas, so that the next morning I can wake up and, you know, right? I don't know. Brush your teeth, get a bagel. Yeah. I don't have get bagels out, in Kansas. Get out of Dodge. Yes, get out of Dodge. I'm going to get out the next morning. I'll get out of Dodge. You ever been to Dodge? I've never been, been to Dodge. Dodge City. I have never no. been there either. <laughs> I, was, I imagine there's an OK Corral um, museum or something. There's got to be, right? I would bet there's a whole thing there. I mean, the main street is something like Wyatt Earp Boulevard or something. I, think. There's, I bet there's a museum and a, and a, and a restaurant All and a theme park. I bet there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Well, that'll be great. Yeah. And uh, get, yeah, How long do you have before you have to head out the door? Uh, I'm, I'm, we're putting everything into storage two weeks from today and two weeks from tomorrow I hit the road. All right. I'm going to stop in St. Louis, Missouri with some, and spend a, take a day off from driving, hang out with some friends there. And then, uh, two more days to New York. Well, we miss you and it's, it'll be great to see you from six feet away it or will at least be see part of your face. After my quarantine, because I have to do the 14-day quarantine lock, locked in a room. I told right. mom that I want a bell, yeah. like a little bell that I can ring when I want, you know. How'd that go over? Did that go over well? <laughs> Did she respond well to that? She laughed. She can't wait. She's like, yes, come over. I can't wait to wait on you hand and feet and shut the door. Yeah. Laundry and all, yes. Pizza and flounder. That's what she's going to serve me for the first Sardines, week. Sardines flounder. Yeah. Just slide it under the door. Just right there and uh, so tonight uh well first i want to say you know to everybody 
out there uh, watching, please uh, please uh, feel free to ask questions or leave comments in the chat uh, while we're uh, while we're being ridiculous. Um, let us know who you are, where you're from, where you're watching from. And uh, also, you can email us your favorite recipes because every week we talk about some food that we made this week. So if you email us your recipes, we, if we like them, we might eat them, make them and eat them and talk about them on the show. Uh, tonight, uh, I've got a couple of things that I made this week that were kind of fun uh, that I'll talk about later. Uh, and, uh, we're going to talk about the firm. That was the plan. That's well, the I watched plan. it. What? I, I watched it. Yes. You watched the firm. I watched the firm. Um, I watched mm -hmm. the firm as well. I did my homework. Okay. So why don't you give us a little orientation? Right, well, okay. For those who don't know what the firm is, the firm is a, is a, 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 a thriller, kind of a low-key thriller uh, with, with uh, legal ramifications, I want to say, but it's not a legal thriller. This is an interesting thing I think we could discuss, but it's... Well, yes, thank you for saying that it's not a legal thriller. It's, it's not. It's a thriller, and it's about lawyers yeah. and a law firm, but it's really not about the law. In the places where it touches on the law... Well, we'll, we will get into. So anyway, it's this 1993, uh, very big, uh, bold Hollywood kind of action thriller starring Tom Cruise. It's a Tom Cruise movie built for him, based on a John Grisham novel. And for those who don't know or remember John Grisham, I don't even know if he's still writing. I guess he might be. Uh, he wrote he was like the Stephen King of legal thrillers, right? Yeah. He yeah. wrote a lot of legal thrillers. Um, very, very big best-selling author. And this was one of many movies they made of his, uh, out of his books. Um, maybe the most famous one or the, the most famous director actor combo turned this into a Sidney Pollack movie. Sidney Pollack who directed Tootsie and uh, Electric Horseman and Three Days of the Condor and, out of Africa, a lot of big, great, big Hollywood movies. And the movie Havana, which our pop was in, our dad was in. Yep. Um, and it's a cast, an amazing cast, great cast of actors in this movie. Amazing. Phenomenal, phenomenal cast of characters. Uh, I mean, just to give a rundown of the first people that will pop up when you look at this on IMDb, you've got you've got Cruz, of course, Gene Triplehorn, who... who uh, Recently, I think he's done more TV stuff for HBO, but uh, Gene Hackman, Hal Holbrook, Terry Kinney, Wilfred Brimley, Ed Harris, Holly Hunter, David Strathairn, Gary Busey, Stephen Hill, Tobin Bell, Barbara Garrick, who we both know, um, and the list goes on. Uh, there are other recognizable people in here, including down the line. Uh, the the remark I was going to, yeah, the amazing Margot Martindale I, in, in, in a part that we will never see her play something this small again. I mean, no. this is a tiny part for her. Uh, and uh, Paul Sorvino is in this movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's really quite a group of people. Um, 
it has an amazing pedigree. Uh, it was written, the screenplay was written by by uh, none other than David Rabe, who is a very famous uh, Broadway playwright. And uh, Robert Town, who's arguably the most famous screenwriter from the Hollywood of the 70s and, and uh, early 80s. And a guy named David Raphael, whose work I am not familiar with, although he did work on Three Days of the Condor and other movies that uh, Sidney Pollack directed. Okay, so that's the rundown. It's a big, bold Hollywood extravaganza with stars and, and lovemaking and, and tropical locations and interesting places and uh, a chase scene and all kinds of stuff. And it's it's not very spicy. Maybe it's it's uh, I guess it's rated R, but but for no discernible reason. No, dis well, I think it was rated R because maybe they thought more people would come see it if it was rated R. Maybe so. Um, so that's the that's the rundown of the movie. Why did we pick this movie, Matthew? I have not a clue. Oh, you're blaming me on this one. I'm not blaming you. No, I mean, I, 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 having seen it, I don't have a clue. Before okay. we saw it, I had much more of a clue of why we picked it. Well, you know, it kind of fit into this idea of the of the 90s. It was the kind of like late 80s, 90s action-y movie that we hadn't seen in a while. Yeah, no, and I, I have no criticism of the choice of this movie. I okay. only have criticism after having watched it. Of the thing. I have, I have I have lots of criticism now. Okay. Well, let's uh you want to give a look at the a, a plot, just a basic plot synopsis, Matthew? Uh, okay. And I don't know what type of movie it is, but what but you know what Okay, basic plot synopsis is um uh Tom Cruise is graduating from Harvard Law School. He comes from a very, very, very modest background, which uh, is hammered home to us time and time again as he goes on these interviews with these amazing law firms, but he only has one bad fitting, ill-fitting coat. He doesn't even have like a real suit. He has an ugly He's a waiter at a restaurant or something. Yeah, he's a yeah. waiter at a restaurant. He barely has the right clothes. And yet he's clearly being courted by many, many firms with incredible offers. And there is one firm in Memphis that clearly really wants him. It's an old, what we used to call in law school, a white shoe firm, meaning it's very, you know, hoity-toity. Okay. Um, and they make him an offer well above what anybody else has made for him. And Which they, was, by the way, in the movie, an offer that doesn't date well by today's standards. No, no, not a lot of money compared very to... very excited about amount of money that you're thinking for fancy lawyers. Yeah. Doesn't sound right. Um, and he and, his, he and his wife go down, drink triple horn, they go down there to meet everybody and be courted by them in Memphis and they're wined and dined. And something's a little odd with the, right. the wife of one of the lawyers is talking to Gene Triplehorn about, well, the firm, you know, the firm will allow you to have a job. And she's like, oh, really? Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's a little odd. Um, long and the short of it, he goes to work for them. Spoilers and, coming up. We'd spoil it all, by the oh, way. 
for jo- those out there. Yeah, you should. Yeah, we're you gonna. This is for people who've right seen the movie. Here. Yeah. Um, oh, somebody chimed in here uh, that the R rating is perhaps Busey mentioning statutory uh, rape. There that's actually a very good point. And yeah. the scene with Holly Hunter under yeah. the under the desk. Yeah. Um, Which uh, is implied stuff, of course, but uh, but nothing that is. Thank you, thank you for that shout out. That is my friend. Yeah. Uh, that's my friend Peter, uh, who oh. who I owe a phone call to big time. Uh, okay. I'm glad that Peter found a way of contacting me this way because so far it's been a little bit tough on the phone. So anyway, what it turns out is that the the uh, the law firm is is laundering money for the mob, and 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 Tom Cruise feels very very passionate about the oath that he took to preserve the law and and then the FBI approaches him obliquely in the in the person of Ed Harris and Paul Calderon who's so amazing. in fact but <laughs> he is approached let's he is approached way. yeah and um and and things go go badly um what, what's interesting is how incredibly passionate Tom Cruise is about his oath one of them and the other oath, not so much. Like, oh, there's a pretty girl on the beach. I'll have sex with her. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yes. That's ridiculous. That part is a little ridiculous. However, uh, all right. Yeah. I don't want to be, play a devil's advocate because that's the movie I was kind of hoping this was going to turn into. Um, I, I remember seeing this and being disappointed at the time in 1993 that there wasn't something supernaturally up with this law firm. When it turned out that it was mob connections, I remember going, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, it was silly to have thought that anything else would have been the case, but it's around this time where you're thinking this might be like a Rosemary's Baby thing where there's yeah. something weird with this firm, what is it? And it turns out to be Mob. They're laundering money for the mob. But what's the bigger problem? Overbilling, not keeping track of billable oh, hours program. Well, that, that's how he gets, that's how Tom Cruise solves the problem, is by focusing on the overbilling. couple of things. First of all, I do have to admit, um, the recruiting, <laughs> there, there is recruiting. And and the firms do go after those big people, and 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 they do wine and dine them a little bit. I think maybe not to the extent. I do have to say, uh, my personal recruitment experience in law school was not reflected in this movie. When did but you go to law school? I forget the year. I graduated in 1985. But then again, I graduated in. Uh, we refer to. Uh, the the portion of the class in which we graduated is I say to everybody else, I graduated in that part that makes the top 90% possible. (laughs) You did your share. I did not want to really be in law school and sort of at the beginning of law school, I thought to myself, I need to graduate and I need to pass the bar exam. And then 
you know what they call somebody who graduates last in his class from law school? No. A lawyer. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, yes. Same thing with doctors, right? You're still a doctor. It's still, I'm still, I'm still a lawyer. Yeah. But um, you're still a lawyer even today, even in another state. And you don't practice law. I can't practice law in California. I'm not licensed in California. I'm only uh, uh, I'm only a member of the New York State Bar. So now here's the thing, though. They go through all of this stuff about we're going to, you know, all this stuff about studying for the bar exam. A couple of things. A lot of people pass the bar exam the first time. I mean, other than JFK Jr., a lot of people pass. It, it's not like you're a genius if you i passed the bar exam the first time also the bar exam that he passed the first time let's remember i'm sorry but it was the tennessee bar exam <laughs> i'm just saying there are different bar exams okay and nobody says oh my god the tennessee bar exam is, they it do kind of say, as, hard, is it as hard as a cognitive test it's harder than a cognitive. It's harder okay. than it's harder than person, woman, man. Harder even than a cognitive test. Yes, but wow. it's not the California bar, okay. which is notoriously the ones that are notoriously difficult: California, New York, Florida. Okay, because that's where people want to live and practice. So you just said that you you didn't do well, but you passed in the heart one of the hardest places on the planet to pass. So you did pretty good. Because I wanted to, because I knew that's the that's the test I really have to study for. Okay, but let's just go and we'll get it out of the way. The law in the movie, please. Let's just get it out of the way. Well, there's not a lot to discuss. Well, the big problem that Tom Cruise has when the FBI approaches him, the reason he played says, by Ed, Ed, a very bald Ed Harris, a Ed Harris, totally bald Ed Watch Harris, yourself with the very bald. Okay, just Baller than you in this movie. He went, he went really true. bald, and um, his Paul partner, Calderon. wonderful Paul Calderon, who doesn't have no. nearly enough to do in this movie at all. No, but he's fantastic on Bosch right now. He's a series okay. regular on the series Bosch. On, uh, <clears throat> um, so Tom Cruise's big problem when the FBI approaches him is that I can't turn over information to you on what the firm is doing with the mob that would violate attorney-client privilege. Bang! Wrong! That's not true. Okay. If, if the mob committed a crime and then came to the law firm and said, we're being investigated for a crime we may or may not have committed, and or we're being prosecuted, please defend us, then everything is attorney-client privilege. But if the mob comes to an attorney and says, hi, we want your help breaking the law. Let's enter into a criminal conspiracy together. That doesn't give you privilege. There's something called the fraud, the crime fraud exception to My privilege. Friend, it doesn't even need a name. That's clearly wrong. Yeah. It's just but they, they <laughs> named it. There are Supreme Court cases about it, and Tom Cruise is more than free to spill okay. the beans to the FBI. But here's what pisses me off: 
So that is readily, you can find that out readily with five minutes of research. And as a writer, then you say, okay, well, plot problem, then how, why doesn't he do, why, why is the movie not over when the FBI approaches him? Why does he just not go, okay, here's the information. Clearly there needs to be some obstacle to him doing that. And there's a very simple obstacle. There's a very simple solution to his own intelligence. He is a terrible lawyer. Well, but yes, but the bigger thing is I'm not going to do this because the the mafia will be after me for the rest of my life and kill me. And I don't want that to happen. Okay. And that solves the plot problem. Yeah. So that's just lazy writing as far as I'm concerned. He's incredibly, uh, he's actually, I think, so easily manipulated by that firm because he's really not very smart. He's really not smart. And I'll prove it to you. There's two things that is not smart right out of the gate. Okay. He he knows everything about every he's like the Spider-Man of lawyer of lawyers law students. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But he doesn't know that this very, very, very old, rich Tony law firm of the Southern Gentry has is corrupt. That is something that everybody would be able to suss out immediately by just looking at the client roster. So he's the stupidest person in the world. That's number one. Okay. Number two, there's something in the script. Okay, when two writers as talented as David Rabe and that other hack who wrote this <laughs> they are great writers but i'm sorry there's something that is so i wanted to pull my eyes out of my own head in the beginning of the movie he has the he has the the interview with the firm that hires him the corrupt firm right and it's uh you know it's it's all the character actors you'd expect in the room um tough old codgers jerry harden oh my god giving, the, giving him the business and seeing if he's got the goods to be a lawyer at their firm and they say we're going to make you we want to make you an offer and they give him an envelope with an offer in it for how much a year he's going to make and he's about to open it like a like a schmucko in the in the room with them right and yeah. he's like should i open this here and anybody like you're like no if somebody yeah. gives you money in the envelope you open it in your hotel room it's embarrassing but anyway he says should i open it here and uh who is it who says who, who's he talking to at that point he's talking to hal holbrook thank you hal yeah. holbrook says well you know any lawyer good enough for us to hire ought to know what's in that envelope before he opens it right yeah you know the scene i'm talking about and so tom cruise takes a moment and then he decides that what he's going to do is deduce through legal genius and expertise what would be in this envelope so he starts to cross-examine yeah the gentleman in the room and he says you are with the witness and he starts like call you know he turns it into a into a into like a courtroom and courtroom drama entertaining and then he says he finally grills the guy and he says how much did you you know how did you know what to do and he says well i called all the legal people i knew and found out the offers that they made which wouldn't happen you know well, they no they bribed they like did it illicitly 
Yeah, but I don't even think that they'd be able to get that information should no. they bribe somebody. That, yeah. I don't think that information is public for to anybody. And then no, no, what they said was they went to the placement office and uh, got the yeah. Okay, uh, but my point being, he says what did what it was is that I added twenty. It was that, and then I added twenty percent. And he's like, aha. Still doesn't know how much is in that freaking envelope. Yeah. Didn't answer the question. Right. Didn't doesn't have a clue. Because he doesn't know he knows it's 20% more than somebody else said. That's all he knows. Right. No, because he knows what the other offers were that he got. Oh, he does? Yeah. Still an idiot because he doesn't know those people are completely corrupt. But and they were corrupt in the way they the way they did it. Uh, here's a question. Um, should we allow for nephews of producers who were brought in for uncredited rewrites? Uh, no, because anybody that has the has has the gall to take exclusive credits should take exclusive blames. Yeah, yeah. That's you put opinion. your name on it, you take the rest. That's it. You got that. Yeah. You got that paycheck, and you asked to be associated with that. You own yeah. it. You go down. You go um, down with the ship. I don't want to come out really, really too aggressively, though. I want to modulate this a little bit. I think, Tony, I think that ship has sailed. I want to modulate this a little bit, though, because I think I think the train has left the station. I, I, I think that this is, uh, a, a, again, a really fun watch of a movie. This is an extremely entertaining experience part of that was a revisit of a time period in my life and an old in the olden days that's always fun to look at again um really interesting to watch Cruz still trying to earn his his captain america like stripes you know like yeah he, who's he was on top but he was still kind of creating that for himself so yeah He's working really hard. Sidney Pollack, he is so, so good at crafting movies. Yeah. That it is like, some of it's like just of that time period, kind of like heaven. And then it goes off the road so hard. Uh, it's really hard to, it's really hard to maintain uh, the level of, love for it that i initially wanted to have but you you, you mentioned so you have some sydney pollock stories right you because i didn't i never met him i don't think didn't get to know him at all yeah uh, you were around for havana yeah I, I i met him i got to hang out with him a little bit when dad was doing havana uh, and um was he mentory at all was he like not to me but he was but he was really he was one of the nicer he treated me as well as anybody like in Hollywood in that kind of a situation treated me. He was really nice. Uh, didn't, you know, some people are weird about having people hanging out on the set or watching takes or being there. And I was there for a while. Um, and he was very welcoming and, um, and extremely nice to me. Didn't treat me like, you know, a, a hanger on, uh, he didn't have to treat me well at all. Um, the night, the kind of guy that like, you know, I actually got invited to go to a cool Hollywood party around that same time. I didn't usually get invited to those parties, but I got to go to the, like the premiere, I think it was the premiere of Presumed Innocent. 
which is a movie we should do. Yes. Because like, I haven't seen it since then. But um, he was a producer on that, I think. And I got invited through dad somehow. I don't know. But I didn't yeah. have a date to go with to this movie. So I, I went alone. It's always weird kind of going by yourself to oh, yeah. things. And I there was like lots of stars everywhere. And everybody was very much into themselves. And uh, it's fine. It's not my night. But Pollock came, saw me across the room, like at, standing at the bar by myself, and he came over like specifically just to say hi and see if I liked the movie and uh, and hope I was having a decent time and like, but actually like meant it, it was like really genuinely oh, nice, um, super nice guy, and I'm also such a fan of some of his movies, like a few of his movies I just love, love, so. I have a lot of affection for him and his style and everything. I think my thing is is Grisham. Maybe I feel like the biggest problem with this came from 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 Grisham. Am I wrong? Uh, you know, I I read the book, but I don't remember it well enough to know if the book solved some of the problems that are in the in the film script. Okay. So I, I I'm I don't know. I don't remember the book well enough to lay it at his feet. Right. Um, uh, I do remember uh, the Pelican reading the Pelican Brief and liking that one. Right. Um, I've never read any Grisham books, so you've read some and you liked you liked enough enough of it to. Well, I I liked them, but I I didn't like them enough to read everything he wrote. And you know me, you know yeah. when I like somebody, I read. I mean, I've read almost every single thing that Lawrence Block ever wrote. I read right. all of the Travis McGee's. I re read all of the John Sanford's. I read right. all of the Leach. You know, when I like an author, I, I devour them. So at some point, he must have lost me. Right. Um, so, but uh, I, I want to talk also about, there, there's one thing that, really helped the movie i think which is dave grusin's work okay well because i noticed like that we're in boston and he brings us to memphis before we even get to memphis with the music right yeah. that the whole jet you know southern that that bluesy southern thing all comes in while we're still in boston it's true and I think if I'm not wrong, it's almost exclusively piano, solo piano. Yeah. If not, if that's not, maybe that's all it is. And there's some songs in it, but. Yeah. Um, I have mixed feelings about this. I, I'm a big Dave Grusin fan. We've met him. He's another person from this movie. We, we met. Uh, he was a neighbor of dad's when he lived in New Mexico for a while. So we yeah. had dinner with him. Well, and he, he did arguably the, 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 the score for The Heart is the Only Hunter is one of the best scores I've ever I heard. I forgot that Grusin did that score. I totally forgot. That is a devast... I mean, to this day, I cannot listen to The Heart is the Only theme song, huh. Heart is the Only Hunter theme song without crying. Well, I can't either, but I thought that was... Uh, you thought that was for other reasons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love Dave Grusin and I love part of this, but I have to say some of it, it got really, it just got to be stompy, repetitive piano music after a while. I was like, please, can we, can we have 
a guitar? Can we have some drums? Something else. I mean, he did get nominated, I think, for an Oscar for this score. Uh, as did, oddly, I think, Holly Hunter got nominated, not for the score, but for her acting work. She's in six minutes of this movie, I think, and got nominated. Yeah, I mean, I think the six minutes that she has are dynamite, but I don't get the nomination. I don't get, I don't get Oscar nom I, no. from it, but I... I, Although, I There's one moment that I get Oscar nom from. One line that she has. Those aren't, that's not even my best feature? Yeah. 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 That's she, a great she, moment. She's great. I'm just like, did anything in this movie should get Oscars? I don't know. I don't know. You know, um, Ripley's mustache needs to get an Oscar. Um, it's been needing one for a long time, and he <laughs> recently passed away, which is tragic, and I think it should be recognized. Great Wilford Brimley story, not mine. Don't know him, never met the guy, but I have a, 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 a gaggle of friends that gets together every Monday night for bourbon. The Bourbon Brothers on Monday night. And, is gaggle uh, a bourbon word? Is that a... What? Gaggle. Gaggle is a bourbon word, yeah. A gaggle, yeah, a gaggle of bourbon bros. And um, one of the fellas told a story about... We were talking about actors who were difficult with directors. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys, remembering Wilford Brimley and that he had just passed, and we were raising a glass to him, told a story about Wilford Brimley and a director giving Wilford Brimley a note and Wilford Brimley saying, no, 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 don't tell me how to play this guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm the guy. So just don't, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> That's great. Love Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Love him. A little funny. My favorite line in the movie. Uh, oh, let's talk about your favorite. Let's see, because I have a favorite line in the movie. I'd love to hear what your favorite line in the movie is. Well, my favorite line in a good way, like what I think is like the best writing in the whole movie. Yeah. The line where he says, where he says, if somebody says to him, you're being suspicious about nothing. And he says, he says, he says he, somebody says, you got nothing to be suspicious about. And he says, I get paid to be suspicious when I got nothing to be suspicious about. Yeah. That's a good line. You yeah. want to know my favorite line in the movie? <laughs> yeah, I do. My favorite line in the movie is it comes from the fabulous Gene Triplehorn, who says in a moment with Tom Cruise, when she's despairing about what are they going to do? They may have to go into the witness relocation program because the mob is after them and the firm is after them and the FBI is after them and everybody's got after them and it's bad. It's going really bad. Yeah. He's moping and sad and he's uh, he's had an affair at this point. So he really doesn't like him. Here it comes. And she says the line, and I want to know who wrote this. I want to know which one of these guys <laughs> has the gall to say they wrote this. Okay. Szechuan beef from Long Boys. That's the last time I remember laughing. And curtains. <laughs> yeah. That comes in at exactly an hour and 10 minutes into the film. I stopped the movie 
I, I looked at Amelia and I said, what's happened? Where, where are we? What's going on? <laughs> Szechuan beef from Long Boys. That's the last time I remember laughing. First of all, we didn't see that scene. No, we didn't see that. Uh, well, no, the, the opening of the movie, when she comes home and he's got the table set up for the celebration. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, that's not true, because I've seen we saw her laugh several times since then. That's, since then. that's yeah. actually not true. It's not true. And the other thing is that if the Chinese food is making you laugh, I don't laugh at good Chinese food. No, there's nothing it's to laugh about. It's serious. Chinese food is very serious. serious. You don't laugh at that. No, I do not laugh. Not at all. Anyway, um, I thought that was pretty great. Did the you notice... Uh, okay, a couple of little things. I want to talk about some uh, mm -hmm. little things and some subtext that I liked. Great. If, if you want to... Um, this was kind of funny. I'm sure somebody had a laugh. I mean, not funny, haha, but I'm sure somebody making the movie had a laugh. Uh, at it. When Gene Hackman goes to get the, um, oh, what's the name of the rum in the movie? Um, uh, Havana Gold, which apparently is a rum you can't get in the States. I'd never heard of it before I looked it up. It's supposed to be quite good. And uh, he goes to get it for Gene Triplehorn. Mm -hmm. And do you know the song that's playing? When he does that, you hear the lyrics, and the song is Blame It on the Rum. I don't know what that, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the song, but that's the lyrics of the oh. song that's playing in the bar when he goes to get okay. the rum. The song says, Blame It on the Rum. This is wow. a well thought through movie. This is well. Yeah, that was out. really amazing. But um, the the flipping, the doing the gymnastics flips with okay. the kid. I don't. Yeah, we have to. We have to talk about this because. Okay. It's. I don't know. I... <laughs> and so he's doing that, and it shows whatever. Yes, we, we got to say what this is. People are listening. Hopefully, oh. a couple of people need to know. Yeah. He just got the job. And this is like a, a, a so far like a you know an uplifting drama, happy drama about a guy getting a great part in a a great job at a law firm. Yeah, and he has to move his his family, which is right now just his beautiful wife, down to Memphis, where the law firm is from Boston, and they go down there, and it's their first night on the town. They've got their new house and his new car, and the firm has bought them everything. And then they're walking down the street after dinner, which might have been Szechuan beef at Long Boys. I don't know. And it's Terry Kinney, I think, and and, and Barbara uh, Garrick. Barbara Garrick, and they're walking down the street. And uh, uh, oh, uh, Peter says uh, Havana Gold is Cuban and now available in the U.S. That so, is good to know. I'm going to go get a bottle. Um, and he sees a, 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 a like a little kid, like a. Uh, like a 10 year old boy who's i guess tap dancing or doing something yeah he's dancing. got his hat out and he's doing some gymnastics and uh tom cruise sees him they don't know each other uh, he sees this kid and runs down the street and does like a sprint and a trip like a summer's like a what do you call that like a, a gainer a half gainer trip. yeah a series of flips in the air midair landing on his feet and then he kind of like looks at the kid and he kind of ruffles his hair and he's like, ha, yeah. and he walks on. Weird as hell when it happens. Weird. Like, what's, 
why why is this going on at all because we need it later well i yes it comes in later but it lets us know that he's a, aside from being okay first of all nobody you are not in that kind of shape after three years of law school <laughs> yeah i i testify to this right um but the the next time we see the flipping kid tom cruise is down in the dumps and walks by him and doesn't even notice him yeah this is again putting cinematic language back like 500 years i right. don't this is yeah but then it also explains his his background in gymnastics <laughs> how he is able to jump up when he's trapped in the basement and there's just a little window how he's able to jump up, grab that pipe, and repeatedly kick the window out. Only somebody with a gymnastics background could I do agree, that. But I totally disagree. This doesn't explain anything. It doesn't show he has a gymnastics background. I'm still left going, why can he do that? I don't I don't I don't know. Because in the beginning of the movie, by the way, I think it's safe to say there's something Tom Cruise can't do. Tom Cruise can't play basketball because if he could, they would have shown him play basketball in the beginning of this movie. Right. Sidney Pollack brought one of the biggest stars in America to a, to a basketball stadium and had a whole film crew go down there to shoot a basketball practice game to people working out playing basketball. There were 10 actors in that scene. There was a 35 millimeter camera with lights and trucks came and catering. And the only shot of Tom Cruise is him going, oh, oh, man, like I like yeah. a shot, which we never saw him, you yeah. know, do or not. So we I think it's safe to assume that Tom Cruise couldn't hit a basket to save his life. He couldn't make one to save his life. Well, you're 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 a cruel, cruel man. Well, I'm just trying to be truthful. Okay. All right. Well, how about this for subtext? What does Tom Cruise, what saves Tom Cruise's life in the battle with Wilfred Brimley? His pointy wingtip shoes. His brief, well, his briefcase. He beats he, him. He kicks him to death with his but, feet. But before that, he beats him. shot by somebody before that. He beats him with his briefcase. I think that you're reading too much into it. No, that's that's it's briefcase, the law versus gun, and he beats him with with his briefcase. Okay, what is that? of that? What does this prove, though? It proves that any of this being in a movie, being thought out, being smart, doesn't matter. It can still be bad. It can it's still bad. be really bad. I mean, I, I'm not saying really bad because I hate saying that about anything. I know how hard movies are to make. I know that they're they're you know difficult. We have a here's a great else. point. This is a great point somebody is making. Thank you, thank you, Pat. That that is a great point. That is an yeah. absolutely great point. He, he ruffles the kid's head. He he's very patronizing. He's patronizing. Yeah. He like ruffles the kid's hair. Like, but it's all about him. I can do it. And the kid's like, yep. thank you for stealing my show, for stealing everything and not paying, not even tipping me. Yeah. It's true. It's disgusting. Um, 
What's your favorite thing in the movie? What's your, what's the best? Okay, let's put it this way. What's the best thing in the movie? Holly Hunter. You're wrong. And... <laughs> this is the best thing in the movie. I'm going to show you. Where is it? Oh, I can't well, show you. I also absolutely love... Um, uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Uh, the uh, Terry Kinney, no, the major bad guy, Tobin Bell. Tobin Bell, yeah, scary as hell. He's terrifying. Yeah, I said to Amelia when he was chasing Tom in a pretty good chase scene, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Where uh, I said to Amelia, I said, he's about the last guy I'd want after me, right? He was terrifying. Yeah. He's, but what, what's, the, what's, what's the best thing in the movie? I'm going to show you. If you just give me a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. This. You're you fighting. The, the best thing in the movie? Yeah. That face. <laughs> okay, hold on. It's not. That face is the best thing in that movie, I think. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at this face. It's brilliant. But you know you know what's a shame? Is that Joe Vitarelli, who plays his brother, the other Moralto brother, yeah. is spectacular. The one next to him on the couch? Yeah. He's fantastic. He's terrific. Jerry Weintraub as the other mob guy, the first guy, the businessman that he meets. Spectacular. Weintraub was amazing. That's a fun thing to talk about because um, Weintraub produced the movie, The Firm. Yeah. And he's got a, he's got a scene or two. He's got one scene in it. Right? One scene, one, and he's amazing. He plays a, like a Chicago mob boss, I guess. Yeah living down in the Cayman Islands and um, he's fantastic. And he really, that, that so reminds me of Sidney Pollack because Sidney Pollack is a director who also acts in movies once in a while and is sometimes the best thing in the movie as an actor. He's also yeah. fantastic. Well, Gary Marshall has done stuff like Gary Marshall in, in lost in America. Lost America. Just yeah. a spectacular. Yeah. Spectacular performance. Him trying to explain why the giveaway Money yeah. scheme isn't good. That's why they call it gambling. Las <laughs> Vegas gambling. So good. Um, uh, I find it interesting casting. Wilford Brimley as the scary head of security. I, I found that <clears throat> different, maybe on purpose, supposed to be kind of funny. Uh, he wasn't scary. Like, I don't find him coming after me to be scary. Tobin Bell is scary coming after you, but not Wilford Brimley. No. Not a threatening presence, but maybe that was on purpose. I don't know. Um, Karina Lombard, the girl on the beach. Yeah. You know where we've seen her Recently? Recently. You and I have seen her recently. I can't remember where we saw her recently. Last Man Standing. Good Lord, you're right. That is so weird, right? Yep. 
This is turning into a, a festival, a film festival. Uh, uh, the the Karina Lombard, and she, well, she kind of deserves a film festival. She's lovely, um, but awkward. she is lovely. But and yet, on on the beach in the Cayman Islands, like he he's away from his wife for one night, and he cheats, meeting somebody in ten seconds. Um, I didn't. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. They weren't even in like some big breakup fight when he left or anything. No, was, you know, like a normal weekend. No, they don't, they don't set up at all why he would do that. No, or why she would forgive him even as oh. much as she does. I, yeah, right at the end, it's like, oh, you're. I love you because you're you. There are other unanswered questions. Where is she running when she runs out of the house? That it is an inadvertently funny moment, I think, when she hears that bad news and she runs out of the house and keeps running and he runs after her so hard. It's like he runs after what I didn't lo love is that she runs out of the house. He runs after her. He's running five times faster than she is. Can't catch up with her. Though. And yet has a hard time catching up to her. Can't can't do it. Um, so, uh, oh, okay. Can we get to just pet peeves in movies? We can, but I have one giant, huge flaw in this one. Oh, okay. I, I, I like to mention, please hint this, this movie hinges on one plot point that really doesn't make any sense. And I went back and I looked at it. Something was probably cut out of this movie, but they are able to figure out who the two bad guys are, Tobin Bell, the two and and his henchman sidekick. There's right. two guys that go around assassinating people. Right. One of the people they kill is the wonderful Gary Busey. Yeah. A little amazing in this. a little bit big in this, but I love him. I just love him. And um it's this they come into the office and they kill him and she has uh, uh, Holly um Hunter plays his uh, uh, secretary and love interest. And she has slipped under the desk to be amorous of, in some fashion. And uh, it's a family show. The guys come this in. Not, this this is not a family show. It is for me. I have family oh. here. Yeah. So two killers come in. And um, she's completely under the desk. And there's a shootout. And Gary Busey gets killed. And she later then identifies the two killers. But she never sees them. She does not actually see them because she's hiding under the desk the entire time. And when you look at it again, you realize they make a big point of there being a bullet hole shot through the desk because Gary Busey shoots Has the gun, gun under the desk. Gun taped under his desk. Yeah. And the camera shoots to a reverse of the desk and starts to pull back on the dead Gary Busey. And you see the bullet hole in the desk. But she doesn't look through that bullet hole. She never sees them. She must have looked through the bullet hole. We just didn't see it happen. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Maybe when you're making a movie, you should let us see the things that no, happen. But actually, it could. If you see her next to the bullet hole, they leave. It it it, it, it literally doesn't happen. Like yeah. they could have cut it out, but it just doesn't. So I found that to be. Do the two guys after they shoot 
Gary Busey, do they describe each other out loud to each other? And maybe she overhears that? Yeah, she hears, yeah, they're like, hey, how you doing, a middle-aged short white guy with a knee, <laughs> exploded knee? How are you? Um, so that, and that the, Amelia caught that. She caught that totally. I, I wow. missed things like that. But Amelia caught that. And I was like, you know, you're right. That doesn't make any sense. Terry Kinney, love Terry Kinney in this movie. He's great. Great scene. There's a great scene when he, uh, right after they find out that the two lawyers are killed or yeah. died in a boating accident, it turns out not to be an accident. And Terry Kinney knows, do you think, what's going on? There's that real scene with him and Tom Cruise where he's sitting and the, he's sitting and the, sprink, the sprinklers have gone on and he's just sitting in the lawn chair outside and he doesn't notice that the sprinklers are actually now like spraying over his legs and he's just yeah. sitting here and they just keep on like spraying his shoes and yeah. the camera just pulls down to his feet and it just that's a really good scene i remembered that scene uh, vividly from back from the first time i saw it yeah it also starts with this really cool shot too that reminded me about storytelling and camera you were asking about things i noticed and i noticed this they talk about the boat explosion there was an explosion on the boat right uh, and the next thing they cut to is a shot of Terry Kinney and a medium shot. We're floating towards him. He's in the chair. They've got a, they've got a grill going, but we don't see it. It's out of frame. All we see is the smoke from the grill pouring over the side of the frame. So when, right after we hear about the explosion, we cut to him thinking about it. And as we're pulling in, he's, he's, there's, there's smoke and stuff and, it looks like he's on fire, like there's a fire somewhere. So interesting fire that's in his mind. Um, kind of nerdy for me to notice and talk about, but uh, I thought I'd mention it because that that was very elegant. I really liked how they did that whole sequence. Well, okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't catch that. All right, if we're gonna be, if I'm, gonna, if I can just go back to being nitpicky and petty because I like you best when you're being petty, sir. The very first thing that Tom Cruise has to ultra top secret copy is the articles of incorporation, which are public documents <laughs> on file at the state department <laughs> office that anybody can see. <laughs> and they have to be that way. That's right. That's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. They're public documents. That but, is me. Oh no, I better hide them under my coat and bring them to the copy room. Um, also, really this has nothing to do with the law. This is a theme for me over and over again in television shows and movies. Is there something, are you not allowed into Screen Actors Guild unless you do not know how to use a chef's knife to chop vegetables? <laughs> Because I am so sick of seeing people making dinner and they have a tomato and a paring knife and they're going like this. <laughs> Nobody knows how to cook dinner. Matthew, you, you very well know that the only thing actors know about food is what they can shove into their pockets at a buffet line. The only, there's one great chopping vegetable scene that I'm aware of in the history of movie. Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake with Donald Sutherland. 
Is there a good chopping of the vegetable? Yeah. He makes he makes a stir fry that's absolutely fantastic. Oh, okay. So that's now there's two. I'm thinking of the terrific scene in um The Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis and Sam uh Samuel uh Samuel R. Bronkowitz. <laughs> no, no, Pulp Fiction. Oh, Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. You know the long kiss goodnight? I can't say that I remember it. I saw it, but it was a long time ago. Terrifically fun spy thriller. Really fun. And uh, there's a scene in it where um, the, the, the beginning of the movie is um, Gina Davis is a school teacher in a small town, married with a kid, very happy. But she was found eight years ago on the side of a road or 10 years ago on the side of the road, head injury, amnesia, right? Mm-hmm. And now she's, she's, happy. So happy. she's so happy about it. Well, no. because she has this wonderful life, happy, happily married, blah, blah, blah. But she has no recollection of her life before this being waking up on the side of this road. And she's making dinner with her husband and daughter one night and she's chopping some vegetables badly and she nicks, she cuts her finger and she sees the blood and she starts chopping the vegetables again. And suddenly she's really, really good at chopping the vegetables. And she like says to her husband, honey, look at this. And she's like, just chopping them. Like, and she's like, Oh my God, I was a chef. I was a chef. And they have this great scene of them throwing her vegetables and she's chopping them and doing all this stuff and then balancing the knife on her finger. And then she takes the knife and she whips it across the room and it sticks into the wall. And she, and, and her husband and daughter look at her and she goes, chefs do that. But we know chefs don't do that. And there's some other reason why she's so mm-hmm. that nicking her finger and seeing the blood awakened some... So she was a super spy. She was a super assassin. Something. Yes. Yeah. Um, Long Kiss Goodnight. We should see that. Yeah, that's a really fun movie. And Samuel Jackson is is dynamite in it. It would be that or Cutthroat Island, I think, would be the only up ones after that. Cut, Cutthroat Gina Island? Davis, Gina Davis movies, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, isn't she in um, Beetlejuice? She's in a lot of great movies, but none of the ones that we don't want to see the great ones. We want to no. see the ones that nobody talks about anymore. In Transylvania six five thousand. Absolutely. See, yeah. nobody talks about that one. Nobody talks about that. Uh somebody is mentioning here Big Night, great food Big movie. Big Night, great food movie. It is indeed one of one of the great food movies. And Maybe a food movie. But Bet's Feast, pretty good. But the food doesn't look very tasty in Babette's Feast. Weird. The, uh, timpano is something that I really want to make someday. That dish that they make in Big Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, I don't know. Uh, Long Kiss, Born Movies meets Desperate Housewives. <laughs> yeah. Again, I have to see that one again. Um, you're much more into the spy genre. Than me, so it's not oh, as I haven't seen it. Love dogs. Um, what did you make? What did I make? Well, um, 
I've been watching a spectacular show, uh, which I'm actually going to finish tonight. I'm going to finish the third season tonight. There are only four seasons of it, but the fourth season is on something that I don't... It's it's a British show called um, Unfor- Unforgotten. You've mentioned the show, yes. Just spectacular. And uh, two of the cops on it, one of them is saying, you know, what did, what did you have for lunch? And uh, she says, an egg and cress. And the other one says, oh, I, I hate egg and cress. And I'm like, egg and cress? What's egg and cress? I had no idea what egg and cress was. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is uh, an egg and cress. Oh, I see. So it's an egg salad and uh, white bread. Maybe I used regular butter. You can use an herb butter. And what kind egg- of white bread? Like, are we talking like potato bread or just a plain, like, what kind of white? This white was a country sourdough. Uh, I mean, a buttermilk white bread. Okay. Um, lightly toasted. And uh, I made a mistake, though, because I didn't read. Uh, apparently, you're supposed to chop up the watercress when you put and then put it in the sa- in the sandwich. I put just the whole water. That's why it's bulging out of the sides unattractively. Yes. Well, but it was, it was actually, and it was good, but it wasn't as good as, as all of the recipes I was reading online talked about. And the, the recipes I was reading online talked about how this is such an amazing sandwich. And then what I realized that um, the uh, what they were talking about is something called mustard cress, which is different than watercress. I think it's spicier, and uh, and I don't I don't know where you find it in the United States, but I'm gonna try and find it and make this again because it was good. Um, but then I made something else. Do, well, do we need to talk about the the egg and cress? Do you have any other? Well, I, I, I'm curious about how you feel about because that, that's a it's a very attractive looking sandwich. It's almost a sexy sandwich. It's a very like sleek, you know, sandwich. I, um, I, would, I would make it again if I was uh, if I was having a um, A, a lady over for lunch trying to court her and be impressive for a nice little summer picnicy thing I might do. Any, all the ladies that I know demand to have crust on their bread. I don't know one lady that would... that. See, that's the thing about these sandwiches I find strange and I can't get behind because it's the crustless bread. I don't know why that's a good thing. It's the British. It's the British tea sandwich. But is it because it's easier to eat? You don't get hung up on the side, the chewy side of that crusty bread, and you don't embarrass yourself? I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should research that and talk about it next week. If anybody out there listening knows the reason why crustless sandwiches are popular at all or have ever been at any time anywhere, I'd be interested. Your, your friend Maple Dragon is a smart dude. He is, indeed. He's, he's, uh, he is, um, he is uh, from wales though and so I oh don't he's from wales yeah but he's not they i don't think that's something that is popular in wales um but uh yes as in common i was right 
So, uh, well, I, you know, I'm interested. I, I, I don't know that I think that it's, I don't think, I don't feel good about you going on a search for this sandwich. I personally want to help you. I want to, I want to sit you down and see if you're okay when you tell me that you're going to look for ingredients for this sandwich. I think you, you, this is a, this is a scream for help. You think I, I, I think you need help. I, you're asking for help, and I don't We're know what. Pandemic. To do. I need things to do. But this is not. This is you're putting your energies into the wrong place. There's not enough nutrients in this sandwich to keep you going. If for American sandwiches are delicious but structurally unsound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to be creative about how you approach the sandwich. I, I don't know the structure. It can be important. This to me is is a is a cop out though. Um, ah, here we go. Out. This is why the crusts are gone because they're to be nibbled politely at gatherings. And the crust hangs that up. The crust is too hard to chew through, so you end up yeah. having to rip it and tear it, which is improper etiquette. And somebody else, uh, apropos, is telling us that the. Crust is thought to be more of a party sandwich. I guess so. Does it just imply you've put more work into it and slaved over it longer? I think that might be it too. That it it, it, it seems to pretend to show you've thought more about the sandwich, but I, I, I don't care know. enough about you to to cut one of the best parts of the bread off of away it. from this sandwich. <laughs> so interesting. I would definitely try this. I I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, scour town to find the right watercress so i just be careful man don't okay. let this get to you too much all right um oh i've got it apparently that it's done to show that you care is that what i said that no, i said many things i'm not sure which one of them was right you've got no i think he's saying that you just got what it takes you oh got oh okay i want to meet this I think he's a genius. There's no wrong on this show. Everybody's really smart. Everybody's saying the right things. Um, I do want to mention, make sure everybody knows that if you subs go to MatthewArkinStudio.com and, and subscribe to my newsletter, um, you, there, there's a link in the, in the description for this video, that if you subscribe through that link, um, you will get access to the private Two Brothers Talk About Food and Movies recipe page, where we post the recipes for everything we talk about on the show, including, should I show the other thing that I made? Yeah, I think you, you should. I think you'll approve of this more in terms of it being a... Um, Oh, we're being told not to eat white bread. Why? Why shouldn't we eat white bread? I mean, I know it's because it's deadly, but other than that, why? I still don't understand. <laughs> what? What? But here, you'll approve of this more, I think. Uh, this is oh, yeah. Philly cheesesteak stuffed red pepper. Wow. So you slice uh, flank steak uh, against the grain here, and then 
you uh, cut your red peppers in half and you lay a uh, piece of provolone inside. You uh, grill some onions and you, you grill the steak in a, in a frying pan, brown it in a frying pan and a little olive oil, then set it aside, saute onions and mushrooms, some thyme, oregano, sage, any other spices you want there, a lot of salt and pepper till that just melts down into that onion mushroom mush. And then uh, add the steak back in, add some tomato paste, some red wine, some Worcestershire sauce, and let that cook till it's almost completely gone, a nice thick sauce over the steak and vegetables. Put them into, then stuff that, the red peppers with that over that slice of provolone. Put it in a baking dish into the oven at 400 degrees for about 20 minutes. Then put another slice of provolone over the top and let it um, let it cook for another 15 minutes or so. And uh, it's really tasty. That that really looks great. Wow. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean that that stuffed peppers with rice and vegetables after this is like, why would I do that? Yeah. This is this is cutting right to the chase. Yeah. It was good. That's fantastic. It was really good. I do, I do like the other one though, with the, the rice and meat mixture in there. Yeah. Sort of a goulashy. I like it too, but th but to me that looks like that would ruin it for you. That that this would be like, why am I having this if I could just have it stuffed with cheese and and meat? <laughs> well, basically anything stuffed with cheese and meat is going to be better. Going to be better. Yeah. Um, uh, that's a very that's impressive and and a wide array of things. I I didn't mean to sound negative about the sandwich. I just felt it anymore no, no, i have more. to tell you the sandwich was um the sandwich was uh being told not to eat white bread because of white flour and that bread in general is tough on the body even whole wheat bread but yeah. it's in the bible it's the staff of life apropos I, I i hear you but the, the the horrible things i do to my body on a regular basis the white bread is like the best thing i do so i'm gonna yeah. keep doing it yeah it's the healthiest bread. option it's i have kind of right. like on the dating apps if i'm if i'm on a dating app yeah. um, which i'll admit you know it's hard to meet people i teach at a college i meet 20 year olds and married people you don't meet age appropriate people or yeah you know, and, and they partly happen to live in your apartment right now. You're not meeting any of them. I'm not meeting anybody. And um, basically, on the dating apps, it's all I see. It's like every profile I see is traveling dogs. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, left. Right. And the other thing I see is like any dietary restriction, any dietary restriction. Right. Left. So the person could be like murder and Fruit Loops, and you'd be like Fruit Loops. At least I'm in. I'm in. But <laughs> you know, gluten intolerant. I don't eat onions. I'm pescatarian. I left. Left. Yeah. I, but I, you know why? You know why that that is for me. Partly, I think. Right. 
cold and heartless and very selfish. No, because where do I go to have the most the most fun in my life? Uh, my, my weekends with Bruce and Tracy. Yeah, well, it's always a food related thing. It's yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm just ribbing you, of course. If I can't share, yeah, no. You know, food is too important for you for to yeah. I mean, the other thing is that I find uh, Amelia has some food differences. For me we we don't always agree my my wife amelia the, uh, I, i'm pretty omnivorous like there really isn't any food i don't like um i've had meals i don't like let's be let's be realistic i've certainly had meals that are bad and i've been to terrible oh, yeah. restaurants, but there's no food i don't like i like all of it or tr certainly try everything um and i have a very wide you know area of interest food wise but amelia has um few things that she doesn't eat uh which took me just to getting used to because cooking if i couldn't put olives or mushrooms into something you're gonna do it blue cheese on something that would be like hard for me to figure out like how am i gonna make a, a burger if i don't have blue cheese like how are you really gonna do it right or how do you make a really decent pot pasta pudinesca or, you know, linguine pudinesca without olives, right. like a lot of olives. Yeah. Uh, or a mushroom, like a, like a, or a chietti pasta with, with mushrooms and, you know, Parmesan. I mean, it, these are some staples. That's hard. She just doesn't like those foods. So I had to come up with ways to uh, cook around it. That's, but you, you, you have a situation now where you don't have to worry about that at all. You can, you can make finger sandwiches all day on any kind of bread you like. No one's going to look askance. I don't know why I was reminded of this, but, uh, I didn't make this this week, but I have made it. And I think I told you about it, but I have to talk about it again. Cause we were talking about, you were talking about eating anything like no matter what. Right. Yeah. So that somebody bought me um, a, there's a thing out here at um, DK Donuts, uh, the maple bacon donut. God. I mean. It's really amazing. And somebody brought me a couple of them pre-pandemic. Uh, and one morning I got up and I was looking at the maple bacon donut thinking maybe I'll have that for breakfast. And then I'm thinking, no, nah, donut for breakfast, that's not, that's not healthy. It's, it's, so, it's, it's a perfectly valid breakfast, healthy or not. It's a valid choice for breakfast. I felt self-conscious about having a maple bacon donut for breakfast. So do you know how I surprised, how I, how I, um, solved that situation you made a smoothie out of it you blended it oh, i thought maybe if you heat that maple bacon donut up and put a slice of cheese and a fried egg on top God. then it's healthy then it's a healthy breakfast so if you triple down on all the things that are really unhealthy about it yeah then it's going to go around the other way and become healthy again. 
a yeah. maple bacon donut with a slice of Swiss cheese and a fried egg. And it was one of the best things I've ever tasted in my entire life. That sound pretty, pretty extreme. That sounds yeah. really extreme. I love it was that. sort of like a homemade version of, you know, the, the McDonald's McGriddle concept with the sausage, egg, cheese, maple in the. You just didn't put it like a pound of hash brown potatoes on it. No. And gravy. No. Um, I, uh, I, I really got to look for one of those, those. That sounds really fantastic. I mean, that maple, sounds. Maple Dragon thinks I'm a genius. So uh, that's good. And he that he's had curry for breakfast. See, there's breakfast is a wide open thing. It's wide open. And it's Bet Bowles is reminding us that the adorable dog has a supporting role in the firm. There is an adorable dog in it. They have a very cute dog in the movie. But I'm I'm curious why she's saying sorry to me. Because I swipe left when somebody says travel and dogs. Yeah, you, you let the cat out of the bag. Except here's the thing that's odd about me. There are some dogs that I adore. Could you listen to the way you said that again? Could just play, if you could play that back, you'd prove to yourself that you don't like dogs. This is why I'm single, <laughs> isn't it? This is why I'm single. We have, we've discussed. <laughs> um, I, uh, I've had less, I feel like I'm letting the food part of this show down, to be honest. I feel like I'm letting you down. You've had a tough couple of weeks. I've had a tough couple of weeks, busy, hectic, some sad news, some hard things have happened. Um, I've made some meals. Uh, none of them were exceptional. I did make, um, yesterday was Amelia's birthday. It was my wife's birthday. Oh my God. And I missed it. And Happy I, birthday, Amelia. A little late. It's too late for that. We'll do this next year. Get it right next year. <laughs> I made a, I made a chicken piccata, which I hadn't made. I'd never really made. I like that dish, but I made chicken piccata, which is very easy, but very another one of those things. I don't know. I didn't think you did at home. I thought you had to order that at a restaurant for some reason, because it really does incorporate more butter than I'm usually comfortable using at any one seating. Really? Are you shy on the butter? I am not. Sh I, I'm. I'm conscious of how much I use because I. I kid myself into thinking that I do other things that are healthier than butter. But I. I, I don't know. There's an argument every which way about health, and and honestly, I don't even want to mention health again on this show because we're going to get off the track, and then we're going to get a lot of feedback from people about what diets we should be on. And right. I, I'm going to eat whatever whatever I want. I know that. Yeah. But I made, uh, you know, like uh, chicken piccata came out nice. But what is it? It's just lemon butter sauce. It's nothing fancy. I made really, really good tuna set, uh, turkey sandwich today, which is oddly the thing I want to, I'm most proud of. Well, tell me about it. It's a good turkey sandwich. I, I, I found some. I usually like thin cut, but I found some thick cut turkey at, uh, at Whole Foods. I was down there and it was on a special. So I was like, why not? I can always use turkey. So brought it home and I had uh, just good basic ingredients. I love sourdough bread. Sourdough is my favorite. Yeah. Bread. 
I had good sourdough bread. Um, I had some fresh uh, romaine lettuce. And I shaved. We have a big block of, of uh, real Parmesan. And I shaved thin shavings of Parm and put that on on it with a little bit of uh, a little mayo and um, a little bit of hot sauce. And it was like just right. It was the right thing to do. Nice. Made me happy. Um, I made a ramen tonight that was came out pretty good. Uh, uh, miso, kind of a miso chicken soup ramen. Which pa- which packet did you use? What packet did I use? <laughs> which which spice container did I shake? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, this was from scratch. Fresh corn, chicken. I made a oh. I made chicken the other night. A whole roast chicken, and so then I made soup stock from that. Got the meat from that. Made the soup. Added miso to it. A little bit of sesame oil, toasted sesame oil. Uh, carrots, fresh garlic, and oh. um, and buckwheat noodles. Oh, not bad. That's one of the things I most miss right now during the pandemic is ramen. Cause I, I go to, there's a lot of really good ramen, ramen and Korean. There's a lot of really good Korean here in LA. There's a great case down here. Well, I bet there's phenomenal actually Korean food in LA. I have not. Oh, the next time you're out here, when, when this craziness is over and I'm back here and you come out for a visit. Yeah. You and I will go do K Town one night. There is some, there is some crazy good food in K Town here. I mean, there's great Korean food in New York. It's 30, 33rd 30, 33rd, 32nd, or 33rd. Yeah, spectacular. Um, I mean, almost any place you go in there is great, but uh, but. Um, I'm, I would imagine the West Coast has a special vibe. Yeah. K Town here is huge. Um, yeah. And uh, there are these uh, all-you-can-eat barbecue places where they just keep bringing wow. um, it's, it, 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 great food. Um, so you taught, you mentioned Korean food, and what was the other thing you said? Um, ramen. I just yeah, ramen. Really I'm going out for ramen. I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I have a problem. I have like an, a ramen addiction issue. Because yeah. it's kind of one of the only lunches that I want to go ever eat now. Like, yeah. it's about the only thing I like. And... Um, have you ever made it though? Have you ever made your own at home? Yeah, I make those packets all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm being serious with you, man. This is a hard time. I'm being serious too. <laughs> those are the ones I make. Make it from scratch sometime. You'll be very happy. And anyway, okay. you'll I'll feel like it. you're at a restaurant. But with the packets, you know what I do with the packet after I make it is I often I make it and then I crack an egg into the uh pot and that's, a, that's a good thing to do. yeah good thing to do it keeps um, the flavor of those packets from really hitting you too much yeah uh but um wow so um next week what are we uh we uh i think we had narrowed it down to the movie silverado all righty did we not do that yeah we did you want to give uh, us a little preview of that so that people know what they have to what their homework is Colorado, for those who are interested in watching and keeping up with 
keeping up with us because man does this go fast this is some scintillating conversation anyway yes um silverado is a movie from i'm gonna say 86 i have we just decided to do this so let me let me look it up real quick silverado starring uh kevin costner jeff uh goldblum kevin klein uh scott glenn uh who else is in this movie just a danny glover uh a ton of people are in this movie and it's a it's a western kind of a comedy action western from 1985 directed by written and directed by lawrence Kasdan who was famous for writing The Empire Strikes Back uh, and I believe Raiders of the Lost Ark or being one of the writers on that movie and uh, Body Heat as well. Very interesting career this guy's had. And wasn't this one of the big, one of Costner's first big landing roles? Yeah, I believe so. Um, Where it, he really showed up? It was certainly... Uh, I mean, it was probably one of the first things he did on um, on film. They were really trying to make him a big star. Like, they really were working hard on, on making him a big, big star. And you can see they thought they had a, a live one, and they, and they yeah. did. It's not, it's not super early. I mean, he'd already done Fandango, which was kind of his breakout thing. Okay. Um, the big chill. He, three, he has an iconic moment, though. He has one really iconic moment in Silverado that I remember. With his guns, right? W yeah, and it's, how he uses them. It's a great well, and it's a great twist on on a uh, on a western trope where he comes out of the bar. The the you know, there's the trope of the person, the guy walking into the bar through the yeah, swinging, swinging door the piano yeah and a player yeah. puts the glass down and closes the right door. yeah and they reverse it they reverse that with him backing out the bar is on a corner right so you've got a corner with the the swinging saloon doors on the corner and there's bad guys on both. Oh, I remember. Streets. And he gets them both. He and he backs, both. he backs out and shoots down both streets and yeah. gets them. That's right. And it, it's I'm a great sure. reversal of an old trope. Well, um, standing it on its head. Lawrence Kasdan is a, is the right guy to do that kind of thing. You know, he's like he's he's Hollywood history, and he's he was a, he's a walking Hollywood encyclopedia. Everything he wrote was a mashup of. A hundred like older movies and stuff. Yeah, obviously, The Empire Strikes Back and Raiders are, but Body Heat too, being all noir and stuff. So, right. Um, I remember seeing this in the theater when it came out. I haven't seen it since. And Me I neither. was back in '85, just at a high school. I was kind of high-minded at the time, and I was watching like all these fancy foreign movies and stuff. So, Silverado, I think I thought was a little, a little, uh, you know. Um, you know, a little Hollywood for me at the time, but I think I'm going to enjoy it a lot more this time because I've, I've, I've let go of all those pretensions. I mean, I have new ones, but all the old ones. I've <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we should wrap it up. So, um, 
please join us next week again for Silverado. I'll be here. I do the show. We do this every week. I'll be here. Oh, you're not talking to me. I'm not talking. I'm talking to all those people out there in TV land. And uh, tune in also on Mondays at 5 o'clock for my show, Tips and Techniques for Actors, Authors, and Storytellers. I do not know who my guest is going to be this week yet, but I promise it will be somebody spectacular. Um, and we just talk about career and craft during that show. And uh, who knows? Do you have any idea, Tony, as we wrap up, what you're going to cook this week? That's a really good question. Um, going to see what the weather's like. If it cools uh-huh. down a little bit, then we can put the oven on and and I can start doing some interesting stuff. There's yeah. that. There's a. There's a. There's an apple pie that Dad. Oh started making in the iron, in an iron pan that I want to try, but I can't do it until the, the ovens. Oh, the cast, a cast iron apple pie. Mm-hmm. He hasn't, he hasn't told you about this. He mentioned it. Is it an actual pie? Like with a pie crust or is it an apple brown buddy? Okay. Well, I, 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 I think that it's attempting to be a pie <laughs> that, that, resembles a brown betty but it's really got its origins firmly in pie i think okay. i haven't had it i just know he he's been making it and it looks interesting okay. that that's something i want to do um and uh i don't know that's my big plan what about you uh i don't know apropos is going to yell at me but i may actually try to make something in the skillet with bisquick where they do one of those sort of like a a shepherd's pie type thing, but topped with bisquick instead of that is strange. A little bit strange. You couldn't you you can also use rubber, latex rubber if you run out of bisquick. By the way, I, no, I, bis, I bisquick that. is not as bad as you latex think. Latex is completely. You can swap them out. You wouldn't know the difference. Have you ever had stuff made with bisquick? I don't. I wouldn't know. When do yeah. I? I don't go out. No, the answer is no. I cook home all the time. Bisquick is pretty good. It's basically the mostly just the ingredients that you would use to make biscuits with, but pre-mixed. Uh-huh. Into a latex into a latex form. <laughs> you know, the Bisquick people are are could be watching and they may get very angry at you. I am not, I am so, I am scared of so many things. I'm simply not scared of Bisquick. You're not scared of Bisquick? I'm not. Well, don't you remember, you know, corporate America, you remember Dr. Strangelove? I, you're going to answer the Coca-Cola company. You're going to answer to the Coca-Cola company. Yeah. You know, come and get me Bisquick. What can I tell you? (laughs) Just try it. Let's see what the rules are. Oh um, my God! Here we're in such trouble now. So, um, no, I'm in trouble. You, you, you're not. You have an unruly guest on your show. It's not your responsibility. For God's sake, an unruly guest. Um, so the shout out to mom who's probably listening and is in the car watching in the, in the car, watching on her phone in the dark. I'm so gonna call her. Mom. 
Yeah, if you're watching, Mom, we love you, and we hope the power comes on really soon. Really soon. And I will be there soon cooking my brains out with you. Um, and I love you, buddy, and I'll see you. Uh, love you too, man. I'll see, see you, you soon, and I'll talk to you before you leave. We'll, so I'll talk to you probably tomorrow. Fantastic. But, uh, All right, and thanks for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to this channel, and when you do, click the bell icon so that you get notifications of upcoming live streams. And please take a moment and like this video. And uh, we'll see you next week for Silverado. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, Good night buddy. Good night. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.